This episode is brought to you by Pixel 2 Editions, a full-service fine art printing company. More about them later. Hello and welcome to In The Art Scene Podcast, an art podcast that has it all. I'm your host, Galina Marquez, and I invite fascinating people to talk about their personal creative journeys, success stories, and inspiration. We talk about art business and marketing, how to find your creative voice, and all the new trends in the art world, like NFT, AI, and such. Join me and my guest for today's conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to In the Art Scene podcast. And uh, this time I have another really cool Russian-American artist with me. Her name is Masha Kichaeva. And what she is doing is something something very different. I have never seen anything like that. She's, she's uh, combining uh, costume design with set design, with photography, with choreography. Uh, you can just go to her Instagram or website and, and see for yourself. But I am really, really curious to learn more about where she gets her ideas because her her work is very... Like, can you imagine taking a live person and making a very surrealistic piece of art out of it? Uh, well, that's what she does. So <laughs> uh, let's welcome her to the podcast and give her a word to introduce herself. Hi, Masha. Good morning. How are you today? Hi. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, good to hear you and uh, good to see you. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> good um, to see you too. Wow, it was very interesting to hear uh, the way you described uh, my works. It's uh, it's interesting. It's always interesting to hear when someone describes your works, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I am really curious to hear how you would describe your work, but I, I want to start with the very beginning. Tell us about yourself, where you're from. I mean, I know that you are from Moscow, and I know that you have quite a quite a background. So, would you mind sharing it? Uh, well, yeah, I'm uh, originally I'm from Moscow, and uh, um, I right now I live in San Francisco, and uh, I was back and forth. For quite a while so my relationship with san francisco started in 2008 um and um yeah i always uh love this place and uh, so here we are now i live here awesome and, uh, i love san francisco oh yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah um well and uh talking about background i um uh, originally I graduated Russian University for Humanities, and my major was in history. Uh -huh. So um, then when I was uh, studying history, I uh, started also studying a costume design, and I've been in costume design school for probably five or even seven years because it was a private school. And uh, it was basically... Um, just long process of studying and in the same time uh, working because my teacher hired me after a couple of years to work with her on her projects. And so slowly when I graduated university, I realized that I'm definitely not going to work with archives or uh, um, write, I don't know, historical essays or something. Um, and for me, it was clear that I'm going to do something with a costume. And slowly, um, theater came into my life. And then um, later on, set design came into my life. And uh, yeah, and so that's how the transformation <laughs> happened, I guess. And it never stops. Uh, it it's still... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very clear that you are using your historical degree in your uh, in the design of your costumes because uh, I I can see uh, very clearly the influences of some historical um, historical costumes from from different cultures and different regions. So I I think that you know I guess the history degree was necessary <laughs> for your transition after all. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's actually, it's such an interesting moment because when I graduated and then I was doing costume design, I was so upset 
on these five years being and studying history because I thought, oh, what a waste of time, you know, when you really, after the school, when you have to go somewhere and study in university and you still don't have a sense. And my dream was actually to be a journalist because I thought, oh, to be a journalist, it's so cool because you travel everywhere, Mm -hmm. you write. And it's so many, I don't know, amazing places, amazing people. What a great idea. I'm going to be a journalist. That's why I went uh, to study history as a basic uh, humanitarian education. But uh, anyway, so first I was quite unhappy with that when I graduated. But and I thought I would rather go to art college or something. But later I realized how helpful it is in my practice because um, I know how to find a source and I know how to do research and uh, how to compare information, different sources. All of that, it was just implanted in my practice and I started noticing it just later. And uh yeah, so nothing is waste of time for sure. Everything is a process, um, and um, everything benefits. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing how we don't understand some things in the moment, and then uh, it kind of hits you. Uh, but everything happens for a reason, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. It's just it's hard sometimes to see when you are in the moment, but. Later, you find all these dots, and you can actually connect all the dots, yeah, and you understand. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's connect yeah. some dots. How how did you end up um, at the theater? Uh, I guess because I was doing costumes, and I was into costumes, and um, suddenly, uh, so I took a year off after my university and I lived uh, almost for a year in Thailand. Uh-huh. And when I came back, it was 2011, um, suddenly everything changed and my crowds became uh, so full of artists, even more. And uh, it used to be like that, but it became... I don't know, it refreshed in a way. And many of them were into performance or into theater. And slowly, because I was doing costumes, I uh, um, some people started offering me to do projects with them or to create a costume for their performance and so on. And, uh, and it's actually what amazed me how <clears throat> the visual connects with the movement or with a speech, right, which is what all theater is about, right, when we connect uh, all the different media uh, on one stage. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I think slowly I got there. <laughs> and then you started doing sets for for the theater or for something else? Uh, for the theater, yeah. I uh, uh, then uh, took a... Um, set design uh, class, set design course, I would say, in a British... Uh, school a British, of Des- British, British, yeah, British School of school design. design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, uh, and then it became uh, also part of my life. And then it's actually... It started making whole new sense for me because when you're doing costume you're doing just a part of the visual part Uh of uh what's going on on the stage but when you're creating costume and a place space because you work very close to the director and you you create this universe that is about to happen uh on a stage and it makes total sense to do both yeah, I, I can totally see how it happens because uh, uh, just recently, um, a month, about a month ago, um, uh, me and my husband went to San Diego Opera and uh, there was a, a premiere of a very new, it's a very new contemporary opera about uh, Frida and Diego. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had, I, I love opera, but I had very mixed feelings about that one. But one thing in particular, the visuals, the costumes, the sets, 
uh, it was so bright and so like the 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 visual uh, kind of told the story for me more than the music did because music was a little bit too contemporary for my taste. Uh, but it was really, really an eye candy for me. Like I was like, wow, staring at the stage. It was really awesome. So I kind of, yeah, I, I kind of, I mean, I, I do not understand that in the way that you do, because you're obviously in the process, but I kind of uh, get the idea of how, how those things will affect, uh, the performance itself. So it's really of course interesting yeah so and then how did you end up uh, doing your personal practice i'm kind of bridging the way to to what you're doing now because i'm really really curious because what you're doing is something mind-blowing <laughs> thank you um i it's actually uh, i don't know it just happened naturally <laughs> So were you still in Moscow when you started doing your personal uh, projects or yeah 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 I think it's it, it was pretty much the same time when I yeah maybe actively from 2011 but actually I think um what we call my practice basically everything is my practice right when we talking about work but there are some projects when uh, I collaborate with other people, let's say theater piece, right? Or <clears throat> making costume for someone, uh, for someone's performance. But in the same time, uh, my projects that I develop uh, myself, and let's say I'm looking for a crew if I need someone, I don't know, like cinematographer or... Um, um if i if i need uh, performers for my performance i think that i um started investing more time uh into my practice uh just a little bit before covid mm -hmm. maybe 2017 and it's actually um interesting because when covid happened the all the projects uh, were postponed or canceled, mm -hmm. right? And then I was in San Francisco and I was thinking, well, I, I can't even tell you how many projects were canceled. And I understand that not just, it didn't happen just to me, it happened to the whole entire planet, right? And uh, suddenly with this amount of time, I was able to do something mine, right? Because finally I had this time and uh, it's very interesting. You know, we, we, we always, I, I, I truly believe that there is never one like bad side, right? There is always mm -hmm. something that um, um, there's a bright side of every side. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it was uh, uh, definitely this time that I got and I was able to do it persistently and thinking and developing the project. So I made a movie uh, during COVID and it's about to be released and uh, um, I'm, I'm still doing final touch and then some projects already aligned. So I think... Uh, yeah, that's uh, slowly. It, it was it, it it happened before uh, COVID, uh, but I I think I didn't have maybe inner space or energy or uh, I don't know just to dedicate all my time to that because I was always so busy uh, with other things which were also very excited, but I. Mm, uh, I could do a project and then uh, not come back to some of my ideas for, I don't know, a few years. Let's yeah. say, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I totally, I totally understand because COVID kind of was that time of permission for me as well to just focus on whatever I want to do um, creatively. And right. I, I, I think I, it's actually a common theme. It's uh, many artists are saying the same thing. Like, yeah, everything went in, uh, into a grinding halt, but uh, all of a sudden you have you have space and time, and um, you just got to do something with it. So there's like nothing to lose. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So it's, uh, it's you made a movie. Well, I have two questions about the movie. First, uh, when is going to be released? <laughs> well, uh, right now I just uh, did a final uh, uh, voiceover. Uh, uh -huh. I was waiting for my actress uh, and for my uh, amazing collaborator, who is a composer and sound engineer, uh, to have time to to be able to meet. So we just did it last week, and um, basically, I have to synchronize the sound, and then we have to just clean up the sound uh, and uh, synchronize it with music, and then color correction, and that's it. So in comparison to the whole process, what was done before, um, it's just little, I don't know, cherry on the, cherry on the cake, <laughs> like a final touch. Uh, and uh, hopefully it will be ready in February, I think. February. Of yeah. Okay. Well, uh, okay. So it's very, very soon after this episode is going to live, is going to go live. So uh, everybody who are listening to us today, uh, if there is no link to uh, how to find that movie in the show notes, stay tuned uh, on Instagram, watch the stories, because I will be sharing the stories about Masha's movie. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Masha. So without um, without giving away too much and without like spoilers, can you, in a nutshell, tell what the movie is about? Um, sure. It's a journey of a character, um, and um, well, let's cut it out. <laughs> 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 okay, no, no, no to the editor. That part is not going into the podcast. Um, well, um, it's um, it's a journey of a character, and it's a journey. Um, maybe it's a fragment of a journey when you're traveling from one state to another, and there is this space in between i was very inspired by um um the the idea of liminalism of liminal spaces and i've never heard of that i i will explain okay me neither, me neither. and uh what is interesting that i never heard about the, it's actually my COVID research what i was uh researching during COVID time and right before COVID, actually, I started. And when I remember I was talking uh, to my friend about this state in between, you, you're, not, you're not in the past, but you're not in the future. And you're in this gap, and uh, it's hard to identify. And he said, oh, actually, you're talking about liminalism. You know what is that, right? And I said, uh, no. So liminal, the... The word liminal uh, from Latin means uh, threshold. Uh -huh. So, uh, and um, uh, there was an anthropologist uh, who did um, research uh, on different rites and rituals. And um, it was, I think, uh, 1908, 10 uh so he was the first who brought this term as a description of uh different states um in human life uh basically when you going through transformation for instance pregnant woman uh she is not a mother yet but she's not a woman who she used to be before pregnancy, right? Or uh, some, let's say, when boy turning into man, and there are some tribes that have a ritual of initiation, or uh, or many others. Basically, if we, if we see it this way, um, whole our life is a liminal pie because we are just keep transitioning from one state to another. But the quality of the state <clears throat> is very specific because you totally can be lost 
because you can identify yourself and you actually can't even find the category uh, where you belong to. And uh, this lack of um, understanding this uh, fog, uh, this unclearance is uh, a blessing and a curse in the same time because it gives you a lot of freedom, but in the same time, it takes all the connections or uh, all the identity and uh, so on. So I was uh, doing research um, and right now, uh, I would cut it out because I really want to say the name of this anthropologist. And oh my God, that's always, uh, uh, you know, someone I, I know. Let, so, let, let, let's, let, let's put it this way. Uh, uh, I will, uh, so I have, I have a section in the show notes that says links and references. So if you can send me the link to, to that research or to, to that anthropologist Wikipedia page, I will just put it out there. Okay. It's okay. so hard. It's so hard not to think about it right now. I'm like, oh my god, I'm right now. It's fine. It will get back to you. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I'll uh, continue then, right? Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> well, this is actually very interesting that you have done this research and the movie during COVID because I think COVID was like a global reset. Like the entire planet went into the liminal state altogether at the same time. So it's kind of a yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, I think that, you know, how sometimes we artists can feel. And I mean, I, I don't want to say that it's only about artists. I think uh, it's actually about all humans. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that you have to be in specific field to have certain feeling that something is about to happen. I guess... There is just sometimes sort of a manifestation happen in your work. You have this feeling that something is about to happen. And it's just why I said artist is because you're doing something and then you actually can express this sort of a prediction in your work. And what is this collective unconsciousness or, you know, something like this. Uh, but I started working on this topic right before COVID. And of course, I didn't. I didn't even have a clue that something like that might happen. And it's very interesting because it, as soon as I started doing research on uh, this concept of liminality and uh, rituals uh, during liminal time, uh, people around me started using this word so often, and it became such a normal word right now. And before, I didn't even. I think I hadn't known this word i didn't know this word before so that's um that's very interesting so basically it's a journey it's a meditative journey uh of a character and the character travels you know from somewhere to somewhere there is no actual destination and i was using uh letters as a voice uh as a sound uh, and letters, these letters were published by a Museum of Jurassic Technology in Los Angeles. And these letters uh, are, were sent to uh, Observatory of Mount Wilson in 1920s, 1930s. And they're amazing uh, because they've been sent by, you know, regular people, not astronomers, not anyhow connected to the space topic or anything related to that. So they just uh, regular people from different uh, fields of life who uh, used to have very special concerns about space, moon, Mars, and everything. And the way they describe it, it's such a level of security in their visions that it's amazing. And, uh, and some of them... Um, have been to Mars, and some of them can describe how Mars houses look like, what Mars people from Mars uh, feel like, and uh, they describe all their mm, interactions with them. So it's uh, it's very very interesting, and it's also interesting that before we uh, I don't know had Google or or, you know, some, any other research, uh, internet, yeah, I would say internet, uh, 
people were writing letters and they were sending these letters to astronomers with a message, if I die, uh, my knowledge may die with me. So I have to <laughs> share it with you. And um, it was also interesting that uh, astronomers were seen as sort of connectors, as someone who connect people on Earth with uh, something that they see through their telescope, and uh, which is basically in space is like a place where God lives, right? And then these people assist their mediators, sort of. So it's all... Uh, um it, it it felt to me that it's just such a beautiful connection with this uh liminal topic and this journey uh of journey where nothing is clear and uh, yeah wow that that's uh that already sounds very surrealistic to me which which I love uh, absolutely yeah uh, so I I will be looking forward to to that movie and uh, everybody will just just put it out there again uh, watch for the stories if there's no link in the show notes watch for the stories on my Instagram in the art scene uh, with all the underscores between the words uh, at in the art scene uh, because I will be sharing as soon as Masha releases the movie I'll, I'll be sharing information about that. Hey, In The Arts and listeners, do you remember Mark O'Donnell from Pixel 2 Editions? He's been on the show in Season 3, Episode 7, and told us everything we need to know about G-Clay printing. And take my word for it, Mark and his team are the best in Southern California and beyond. I've been a client of Pixel 2 Editions since 2019, and I've been shouting about them from the rooftops ever since. Luckily, I don't have to do it anymore because I have a podcast. Despite being San Diego local, Mark and his team are working with some of the best photographers and artists from all states, including Clark Little and Kadir Nelson. And frankly, if you are a photographer or a digital artist, you don't need to be local to work with Pixel 2 Editions. Just use a file upload on their website for your heavy images and write down the specs. They can print small proofs for you on any substrate you want and ship them to you for free. And for my listeners, they offer a free 8x10 full image proof on metal. Just tell them that you heard about them on the podcast and they will take care of you. Let me tell you, their metal prints are amazing. Whenever I order mine, they fly off the shelves in no time. So I highly recommend you try it out. And oh, did I mention that they are a full service company? It means that they do everything from color correcting and printing to framing and shipping directly to you or your clients. So don't wait, go to pixel2editions.com, 2 is a number, and editions is plural, or call 858-549-7299. Again, pixel2editions.com, 2 is a number, and editions is plural, or call 858-549-7299. Say hi for me! How did you become a director? Because uh, like making costumes on sets is one thing, but then seeing like a whole movie and and with a such complex story and a concept underneath the story, uh, like that's I don't know, it's a gift. <laughs> so how did how did you like you saw the movie in your head? <laughs> uh. I don't know how did it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I never planned it. <laughs> mm. Um I I don't know really. It's just um it, I I think I'm 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 definitely not a director who has this, you know, it's definitely not this type of movie where every scene is um planned. And then, uh, like a serious set productions or serious cost, it's it's not this kind of movie. And for me, what is the most mm, delightful part uh, of uh, the process is spontaneity. Uh -huh. So there is a direction, 
I knew, let's say, locations where we're going to shoot. But, and I knew the character. Um, but uh, in the same time, I, uh, I, I just, I, I don't even know how to describe that because I had a direction. I mapped this direction for myself. Uh, but in the end, I didn't really know what I'm doing. So, and then everything else <laughs> happened in the liminal state. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it's, I it's love just, it. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting because I kept just, I knew that, um, I, I can't even tell you actually how did I come to this uh, idea of making this video. I remember the moment when I was uh, going places here in San Francisco and I was taking photos with my friend who I asked to model me and be in a photograph uh, because I wanted to map this location with a character. And I was taking photos and I was printing these photos and then I, I tried to connect it all. And, um, and actually, we were also shooting in a Death Valley. Uh, and we've been uh, there for a week in uh, in Death Valley and around Death Valley. So I think only there, when it was last, uh, let's say last locations of all of them, because there are plenty of locations and some of them uh, I didn't even use uh, in a final cut. And only then I realized that, oh, I can see the transition and it happened uh, naturally. And it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just such an amazing thing that I didn't feel pressed by anything or anyone that I have to come up with a clear solution. And I don't have experience into in directing or making movies. So I just thought, okay, that thing's how it goes. And then I have this amazing cinematographer who worked with me and he's available and we can shoot. And then it's just such a luxurious way of creating. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. And, and it also reminds me, uh, uh, many of my guests are saying sometimes like, you know, it's kind of like I downloaded it from from out there from the universe. So um, uh I have a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer that. Like, if you are to do this again, would would, would you be able to replicate the process? <laughs> um, sure. I mean, would you would you do another movie? Do you, do you see yourself doing another movie in the future? Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's amazing. Uh, the process uh, the, of creating and it combines everything and uh, oh I, I love it yeah for sure well awesome okay well, we will be uh, we will be in touch and, and for sure I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it so I wanted to circle back a little bit and, and talk about uh, your um, other work which is more um, stationary i should say photography uh that you combine with costume design and uh the, the locations so when i when i look at it uh and i already said that in the beginning it looks very very surrealistic to me um in in a very good way i'm, I'm a big fan of surrealism it's, it's something that is constantly kind of scratching on the surface of my uh, like my subconscious and like something there's something in there and i'm so hungry for that all the time um how how do you come up with those ideas how do you see the vision and some of them are uh have a very clear message some some messages are not that clear like for example one that stood out to me is uh is a, a white figure, almost like a nun, where the face is covered and everything is covered, and she is holding, she's sitting with her legs spread out under the white gown, and um, she's holding a white cake uh, with a sliver cut in the middle, and in the center of the cake there is something red, so it's kind of in in between her legs, and um, and they're like red tears from like from where the face is supposed to be uh so 
those are kind of very loud speaking um, images. And then there are other images that are very bright and very abstract. Um, so I, I'm just curious. I'm always curious about the artist process. What's going on in your head? And how, how do you come up with... Because it's not only the costume. You you come up with the image, right? It's a, it's a character. So everything... Uh, represents the story of the character the way the character looks the the uh, the props uh the surrounding uh so how how does that happen how does this process happen in in your head or i mean in out of your head obviously well mm, it varies of course and uh Sometimes things can be spontaneous, uh, sometimes things can be planned, uh, but in the same time, I don't even know will it be accurate to say spontaneous because when in the process an idea comes comes up uh, and, uh, you know, I see this uh, vision, I have this vision, is it a result of some previous uh, uh, I don't know inner work or is is it pure spontaneous? I'm not sure here how to how to name so, it. You know, do you start with the vision or do you start like for example with the costume? Like you have an idea for the costume and then the whole thing kind of unravels with from from there, or you have a vision for the entire image um, first and then you start working. Uh, okay, this is the co how the costume is going to look, and this these are the props that I want. Uh, so. Uh, How's that? How's that happening? Um, it it varies really, and um, I think sometimes it starts with a feeling. Uh, some sometimes it starts with oh, I just wanna I don't know do this costume and um, embroidery, and then we will see where it's gonna go. Um, and. It's one thing to create a character, I think, and then it's another thing to place the character and find a space, surroundings for this character. Because uh, it's to be in and out all the time, because if I immerse myself into the character, into the process of creating a character, and then I won't be able to separate myself from the character then it will be very hard to place this character in let's say different landscape so to create this contrast where then we'll deliver a certain message or want you know and it's also about something uh being not too straightforward and uh being subtle in a way because sometimes when you over explaining things um you lose the power of the message and mm -hmm. i uh, i know that also by working with my students because i was teaching a class uh and actually i'm gonna restart the class in uh, uh maybe in february probably too uh and uh, i noticed that many students when they're trying to load the message uh in their works um it's interesting because they over explaining uh, mm -hmm. uh, things through the costume, through the light, through uh, set design. And then um, basically they keep forgetting uh, that uh, they have to leave some uh, room uh, for interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. Some room for air because the magic happens when I, as audience, see something and it's my collaboration is what I see on the stage, sort of, right? That's something that it's the biggest thing that theater is about, right? Besides many mm -hmm. other things that what theater is about. But um, what I see being um, in an audience and uh, the way I interpret it and it can be it can be staged in a way it can be planned in a way but i as a creator have to leave room for that and i also have this um practice that i keep writing down um 
I keep writing down things that inspire me or things that make me think or make my mind wander. So sometimes it's just a chaos of notes uh, in my notebook. Uh, sometimes it can be just uh, a phrase, uh, I don't know, um, someone wearing white with a red balloon. I don't know, something like this. And so then uh, at some point I can come back and think about these phrases or I just uh, pin them down and I have them in my uh, sort of archive memory uh, and I have a feeling that it helps me to um, recreate some uh, feelings and some looks and some uh, places later so it's basically uh, my visual savings I would say yeah um, yeah that is that is a, a, a really cool practice and uh, I honestly uh, I personally tried that, but I never get back to my notes. <laughs> but at least even even the, the process of writing something down, it kind of solidifies the the idea in your head. And it's kind of, you know, you're right, it's like pinned. Um yeah, it's a it's a really interesting process. So um where uh, do you get your inspiration from? Like, what are the biggest sources? And I, and I know that you you described already that sometimes it's just a thought, sometimes it's a phrase that you have heard. But uh, what is your main influence, um, if any? I think it's. Uh nature um art movies uh books as well um books on anthropology a lot um yeah because you never know when the when idea finds you uh and then when something becomes interesting but what i noticed that i'm really um into working with into playing with the scale of the objects that i find interesting uh let's say how to make a small fly how about making a giant fly right how which, which is your which is your current avatar on instagram right now yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> It was my performance, and I brought this fly from Russia to New York, and I did performance on Wall Street and uh, in Watermill Residency on Long Island. Uh, but initially, it was a performance, a 12-hour performance um, on the Festival Arstayania in uh, uh -huh. a couple hours uh, from Moscow. Um, I, I actually, uh, at, at offline... Um... For the editor, cut this out. Um, I know a guy who started that festival. But Paliski? Or Kakoi? Piotr. Piotr Vinogradov. Они с Paliskim вместе начинали. Ah, okay. Architektor. Cool. Cool. That's me. That's <laughs> me. Yeah. 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 Okay, so so the editor can start from this part to cut all the Russian off, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so uh, talking about different uh, playing with the scale, uh, right? And um, let's say, yeah, about this performance with the fly and uh, funeral of the fly, which was which is based again. Uh, I'm gonna go a little bit. Uh, uh into here that this performance was based on um uh, slavic ritual of funeral of insects uh and i i had no, i'm i have no idea slavic ritual like this existed funeral of insects yes yes it, it, for real for real uh for okay <laughs> tell me more <laughs> Uh, funeral of insects. So uh, as far as I found information, this uh, ritual was mm, known even a long time ago, even before uh, uh, 
before Christianity. Okay. And uh, before Christianity came to all these uh, Slavic regions, right? So uh, when people used to believe uh, that basically pagan ritual, uh, that everything around them are, uh, you know, either gods, divine, or mm, something related to them, so there was a belief that when your relatives die, uh, their souls transfer to a body of insects. And in many different uh, cultures, uh, we can find information that uh, people used to believe that butterfly also is a carriage of a soul of someone, right? Um, and uh, I can understand the so butterfly, but the fly... Right, but there was no separation. So all the insects, uh, flies, spider, cockroaches, fleas, they were considered as these carriers of souls of um, relatives. And then when the fall comes, uh, this ritual was taking place in September usually. So when the harvesting process was over and people were expecting um, um, the coming of the next season, which is winter, right? And all insects either fell asleep or die. So talking about the Slavic cosmology, uh, when you die, you go to this lower realms or just different realms. Uh, and uh, of course they wanted uh, their relatives to come back, right? And here we are talking about this uh, circle ritual of uh, things, this how to say natural um um how how would i put it cycle of life yeah okay. cycle of life uh that would be correct so uh what they did um they were organizing really fancy funeral for all the insects they were collecting insects and the whole village was celebrating this funeral and they had all these criers uh, and really special songs. And they were even doing coffins for insects out of carrots and cucumbers. And uh, another vegetable that I don't know how to say in English, but repka. Uh, uh, the, so the, the closest, I think, would turnip. be a, a turnip. Yeah. So they were um, carving them from inside, collecting all the insects, and then the whole procession was taking uh, taking all these coffins and carrying them through the village, and then um, the funeral was taking place. And then, uh, of course, in the springtime, all the insects would come back. Would come back. And then, you know, the new cycle of life, uh, everything is blossoming, uh, life goes on. Uh, and then what I found, what I found out that when uh, uh, Christianity, uh, uh, or oh, oh, how to say, how how would I put it correctly? When uh, the baptized. The, 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 yeah, when, when the Russia was baptized into the. Yeah, uh, I just, I. I I just don't, don't, don't want to put it the way that Russia, because this ritual was taking place in yeah. so many different areas. So I would just say uh, when Christianity came to... Uh, to, the, to to the Eastern European region, as yeah, as we know with yeah, today. Yeah, I think, yeah, thank you. That's uh, the <laughs> correct way to put it. Um, the ritual state but slowly it changed the meaning and of course we are talking here not about one day thing it was taking hundreds of years to reshape uh that the ritual state but changed the meaning so people still uh having this in some areas uh they were they were having this ritual um, funeral of the funeral of insects but it became more about cleaning the house from dirty things, from, you know, unknown mm -hmm. dirty things that you don't want to be associated with. You clean the house from uh, from a mess, sort mm -hmm. of, and uh, bury it and uh, keep the house clean until the spring, mm -hmm. which I found fascinating because it seems that something that 
uh, our ancestors used to, um, how to say, build a connection and uh, see uh, that something around us is actually relative to us, then with the religion coming to their life, it became separated, which is here is the whole thing about, you know, how we work with the shadow, how we work with something that, you know, it's hard to process for our psychic and so on. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is very interesting, and uh, uh, that's that's a whole other conversation for another podcast, I think, because because uh, religion and the uh, like the the merge between the religion and the culture and politics is, is such a broad topic that yeah, it can be like a, a whole two hour conversation on its own. And uh, in in that region that we're talking about, the Slavic, uh, Eastern European um, countries. As they were that at that time, which is, I believe, what the third century, right? About third century when the Christianity came there, it was uh, it, it was uh, uh, not not the Western Christianity as we know it here in in the states. It's the uh, or it, it's yeah, it's the or tenth century or it's the Orthodox Christianity uh, which came from Byzantine and it was actually a, a political act. It, it was not because it was the right thing to do or because, uh, you know, it, it was better for people. It was a political act that came from a political marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, and, and uh, that's true because uh, the Orthodox Christianity in Greece uh, exists in the more original form in uh in uh, Slavic countries, uh, it kind of got mixed up with the pagan traditions that some of them exist in even today so the yeah the the welcoming of the spring and you know all of that stuff Uh, yeah so that's fascinating i've never heard of funeral of insects and it's actually kind of you know kind of brings brings me uh to a thought that uh there's something really write about pagan traditions i feel like uh, uh our ancestors before uh before religion before christianity kind of had a connection with uh with the nature around us a little bit more like closely than we do now uh, yeah then we can we can have another episode and talk about that actually <laughs> I, I would i would really love to do that because uh, <laughs> I um uh, I I've done some research on that uh, topic but uh, uh, not the uh not the uh, anthropological more like a psychological research so it would be really interesting to compare the notes. So uh we actually at the top of the hour and I I had another question for you you mentioned that you were teaching and I was really uh curious to hear about your course and um what it is about when it starts and uh I believe that by the time this episode is on air, we will be able to put the link in the show notes so people can um, sign up for your course. Oh, sure. Uh, so I did this um, during COVID. I did this class. It's uh, Introduction to Set and Costume Design. And uh, it was very interesting and new experience for me. Uh, and the goal is to introduce basic tools of creating set and uh character uh for for your idea and um people who usually take my class it's photographers or um artists from different genres and it's very crafty class because i'm um, talking a lot how to work with different materials but in the same time uh i introduce some basic concepts of theater and how to work with illusions and how to recreate and how to actually visualize your idea and how to do the research process and uh so five actually no it's seven weeks because then i'm giving two weeks for the final assignment and there are assignments and every week uh, we have these group meetings and uh, I also have one-on-one sessions where I have this 30 minutes call with every student 
And it's been amazing. I just had to make a break because of me moving to San Francisco and have uh, a lot of a lot going on. Uh, uh, and I thought, oh, okay, maybe after New Year, I will have, you know, January as a time to prepare again. And then in February, I will launch um, another one. Yep. Well, awesome. That sounds really interesting. And it's kind of a, you know, uh, uh, well, uh, and again, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself because why not? <laughs> uh, it kind of uh, happens uh, to me on this podcast uh, in the, in a very interesting way. Uh, I tend to interview people about certain topics, and I have no idea. Like that's the first time we meet; we never met before, right? And I only know about your work from your Instagram, from uh, from your website, so whatever is uh, publicly available. Right. And then all of a sudden we're talking about things that I uh, kind of am either thinking about uh, making or researching or whatever. And it happened on uh, multiple occasions this, this in the same way. It's kind of like it's kind of like my guests on the podcast are bringing a message from the universe to me. It's like, yes, you're on the right path. <laughs> so uh, I I might be interested in this class. So the, the the reason I'm saying that I might be interested in that because I am thinking uh, I'm slowly moving into making art objects. Uh, like I, I'm usually painting mostly with acrylics, but uh, lately I've been interested in making things. Uh, and I'm kind of you know started with the little tiny ones because I have I have a little tiny six months old crawling around the house, so I don't have much time and space to to do bigger things. But I do have uh, some ideas, uh, and yeah, I would I would probably benefit from from your course for sure. So okay. I will be looking forward to it. So I hope is everybody else. Uh, this is December. As uh, the beginning of December, we're recording this. Uh, this episode is going to be uh, a, a part of season six, which is right uh, about the time when uh, the course is going to, or at least sign up for the course is going to be live. Um, yeah, so stay tuned for that. Check again. Check the show notes. Go to Masha's website, uh, or uh, so. Where are you going to be publishing all the information? So how pe- how can people find you? I will put all the links in the show notes, but I just want you to say that out loud. Um, I think Instagram is the best way to connect or to follow, uh, and usually I announce the next course there or where that's the place where i share any of my works so what's your Um, instagram handle um it's masha kichayeva can you spell Uh, it oh sure (laughs) (laughs) it's uh m-a-s-h-a-k-e-c-h-a-e-v-a one word um and all right. I it will be uh, with all the, the rest of the links. Uh, and yeah, I will think what else I can share uh, after our uh, conversation. Yeah, I feel like one hour is not enough. I feel I always feel like one hour is, is never enough. But uh, to to avoid making this podcast like way too long, uh, I kind of have to right. cut it off at, at one hour. But we will be sharing everything and i'm pretty sure that we will have masha come back to the podcast at some point oh that's lovely i'd love to (laughs) awesome awesome i'll be happy to all right thank you so much for being with me today um uh, any any last words of uh, inspiration for the new year because that airs at the beginning of the new year so maybe uh, like lots of people are looking for the new inspirations um something you want to say oh i i just uh i'm looking forward for a new year and i just i hope that we all will be in peace that's uh that's my uh my desire and uh my um uh my light in the end of the tunnel <laughs> I would yeah say. yeah i'm with you on that and I, I suggest uh, that we all who are listening today, uh, let's just manifest the peace because that's, uh, you know, we, we all know what, what's going on. So it's, it's really ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
that's that's the the, the biggest uh, inspiration for me. That uh, yeah, Ukraine will be in peace and yeah. the war will stop. So, <clears throat> but uh, besides of that, um, uh, I, I keep creating, and that really helps me and uh, inspires me. My practice and uh, keeping it day by day, no matter what, that's uh, the biggest source of inspiration for me. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, again, thank you for taking your time today. Um, and we'll see you again in the art scene. It has been another episode of In the Art Scene podcast. If you liked today's conversation, please give us a good review on Apple and go listen to other great stories. Check out our website intheartscene.com or follow us on Instagram at intheartscene for more content. If you are a creative, and you want to share your story, shoot us a message from the website or DM us on Instagram. Look forward to seeing you next time in the art scene.